Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. The journey towards Christmas seems slow and methodical all year long, until it doesn't. And right now, that journey may feel rushed and hectic, but you know where it's leading and the moment you're awaiting. But the first Christmas was a bit different. The Christmas that defined what we celebrate this time of year was a journey unknown by many of its most well-known participants. Yet, each of those journeys warms our hearts and speaks to our moments and emotions of the season. And this season, they once again lead straight to the one who has always been the destination. The King, the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ. Jesus. Well, welcome to T-minus seven days. We are one week from Christmas. <laughs> so what does that mean? What does that mean for you? What does that mean for us? Well, part of what it means is that we are one week away from telling about the moment that the world was introduced to Jesus that moment that was special for all mankind, whether they knew it or not. Now, here at FCC, we have a vision to lead people closer to Jesus in any way and every way that we can. And so you can imagine that Christmas, that's all about the moment that Jesus was introduced to the world, is a pretty big deal for us as, as far as leading people closer to Jesus. And so we have plans on how we want to do that on Christmas weekend that's coming up. It starts with Christmas Eve. And just as a reminder to you, our Christmas Eve services, 4.30 and 6 o'clock, and both of these worship services are going to include uh, worship and singing, and it, it, there's gonna be scripture, and, and there's gonna be communion, there's gonna be candles, and there's gonna be prayer. All as part of those services, and each one of those services, 4.30 and 6 o'clock, are gonna be about 45 minutes long. And then out in the commons during that time, there, there's going to be a, a photo booth that's available for you and your family to enjoy and to participate in. And, and there won't be um, kid town or student ministry that's going on on either our Christmas Eve services or on our Christmas Day service because we want your family to be together for this time of worship that we are involved in. So again, Christmas Eve, 430 six o'clock, and then on Christmas Day, a completely different service than what we had on Christmas Eve will come together, and we have plans to celebrate Jesus on that day, and we're going to do that during just one service at 11 a.m., and during that time, we are going to talk about, and we are going to highlight, and we are going to celebrate Jesus through that whole weekend, and those are the plans that we have. Plans for us and plans for those that we know and plans that we're, for the people that we're going to invite to lead our hearts closer to Jesus during this Christmas season. Now, here's the funny thing that we all know about plans. Plans don't always go as planned. And there's this old adage that says that we plan and God laughs. And you may have plans for your family time at Christmas. You may have plans for your decorations at Christmas. You may have plans 
for gifts at Christmas, and there are any number of things that may make your plans turn out to be not what you expected them to be. Amazon said that the gifts would be here before Christmas. It was right there on that form when you filled it out, and still here we are a week out, and you haven't seen them on your doorstep yet. Then there's flu A and flu B and COVID and all the other illnesses that don't show up when they swab you in your nose and go up and touch your brain. And those threaten to kind of change your plans, derail what you have in store for the next coming days. Plans, even the best laid plans that we can have, still lead to moments where things don't turn out as we expected them to be. Maybe it's the details, maybe it's the emotions that you were hoping to happen that don't quite happen that way, or, or maybe it's the weather that gets in the way, or, or maybe it is illness, or, or, or maybe it's just reactions that you thought you were going to get from people that you don't get. And sometimes those changes that happen, and sometimes those things that turn out differently are funny, and sometimes they're heartbreaking. But our plans that are around Christmas are often not what we expected them to be. And if that's already the case for you, or if that turns out to be the case for you, you're in good company. Because that's pretty much the story for everyone who was part of that original Christmas story. And for sure, the shepherds weren't expecting their night sky to be lit up by a choir of angels that were singing an anthem at them. It's pretty certain that it's doubtful that the, the magi who saw a star in the sky set out on their journey with the anticipation that it would take as long as it took to go pretty much around the world or around the world that they knew to the other side to try and find the one that they were looking for. All of that was unexpected, but I'm not sure that anyone had as unexpected a story and journey as the story of Mary and Joseph. And for a flurry of reasons, their journey to that night in Bethlehem and their night beside the manger could not have been what they expected this particular season of their life to be. And yet, for them that night, there was still joy, and there was still amazement, and there was still wonder. And maybe today, you could use some amazement, and some joy, and some wonder. Maybe your plans have already started to crumble. Maybe you're tracking packages that aren't living up to their promise to be here before Christmas. Maybe there are travel plans that you have or that you were watching for someone else to have that are getting kind of messed up by the weather or by illness. Maybe there are some relationships that aren't quite as bright and shiny as you thought they were going to be this time of year. You're not really sure exactly what to expect at Christmas. 
Well, here's the most beautiful part of this season that never changes. God's intervention into the lives of Jesus' earthly parents. Their journey that led to Bethlehem, their journey that led to the manger was unexpected in so many ways. Let me start with Mary. Now Mary's story is told to us in Luke's gospel. And so if you've got your Bible with you or you've got a phone or a tablet that has a a Bible app on it, I want to encourage you to open to Mary's part of the story that shows up in Luke chapter 1. And once you get to Luke chapter 1, you can move down to Luke chapter 1 verse 26. Now just to kind of catch us up on what those first 25 verses were, we were told along the way that Uh, a baby was going to be born that wasn't Jesus, but was in fact John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was going to be born to um, Elizabeth and Zechariah. They were his parents. And the weird thing about that was that Elizabeth and Zechariah were old. I mean, like real old. Too old to have kids. But nothing's impossible with God. And so Elizabeth is pregnant with John, And that's where we pick the story up in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, some of us have heard this story before, and we've read this story before, and maybe we've already read it a number of times, even to our kids here in in the last few weeks, and there are so many parts of the story that we just expect to happen now. But what happened for Mary was actually quite unexpected. Let me start with the angel. Angels are part of the story of Christmas. In fact, the angels are kind of riddled throughout the story of Christmas in a lot of different ways, but when Mary heard from Gabriel, she heard from him months, months before the shepherds had an angel in the sky that announced the birth of Jesus, and and long before there was a choir that filled up the sky and sang that anthem at them. Mary heard from an angel long before an angel showed up and, and told Joseph to take his family and go on down to Egypt and protect them because of the rage of King Herod. But it wasn't just that Mary had a visit from the angel that was before everybody else who's in our nativity story heard from an angel that makes that visit so unexpected. It had been four centuries since anyone Four centuries since anyone had heard from heaven in a voice, in a dream, in a vision, from an angel, from a prophet. And before this, it had been silence from heaven for 400 years. And because of that silence, because of that lack of communication flowing in both directions, That's what's kind of wrapped up in the verses that follow in Luke chapter 1. 
Here's what we keep reading. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be that there's an angel here because nobody's had an angel as far as she knows. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And so this is the first moment where God's plan is revealed, or at least the first step of God's plan is unfolded for anyone, and it comes to Mary. Jesus is coming, and, and, and she's coming, and Mary's going to, he's coming, he's, Mary's going to deliver him as her own son, and he's going to be the son of God, and he is going to be eventually king. That's God's plan. It's not Mary's plan, but it's God's plan. And because it's not Mary's plan, and because it's so unexpected, it leads to Mary's response How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Now, let me pause in the story for just a moment, and let's talk about the author of these words. Now we're reading from the Gospel of Luke. This is Luke, the doctor, Luke, the physician, who's telling his story of Jesus. And of all the Gospel writers, it's interesting to me that the doctor, the the physician, is tasked with telling us about the fact that Jesus was born of a virgin. Because of everyone who would have been skeptical, of everyone who, who would have wanted to kind of omit this part of the story because it's too hard to explain and it's too hard to believe, you would think that it might be Luke. Because this part of the story for a doctor, for a physician, would have been difficult to hear, much less accept and even defend. But Luke, though he was younger than Mary, he was probably closer to Jesus' age, was on this earth at the same time that Mary was here. And he and Mary were in the same town many times. He and Mary were in the same community, in the same church together. Most scholars believe that or at least assume that Luke gives so many details about Mary and about Mary's conversations and Mary's movements through the story of Jesus that there must have been multiple occasions where Luke interviewed Mary and wanted Mary to tell him one more time, what exactly did the angel say? And how exactly did you become pregnant? And throughout all of those interviews and throughout all of those discussions with Mary, Dr. Luke became comfortable accepting and defending 
what happened to Mary and what happened to Mary's body. Now maybe that's part of the story, the virgin birth that you struggle with or someone that you know struggles with. But in light of all that we know about God, in light of how we believe God works and how we read he worked in the past, believing that Mary became pregnant by God's doing doesn't really even test what we think is possible from God. Or at least it shouldn't. Bruce Larson writes these words. He says, the Holy Spirit, the same divine creative agent who brooded over chaos and brought order at the dawn of creation morning, who acted in the creation of the first man and the first woman, was the divine agent who ushered the life of the eternal Christ into the body of Mary for the miracle of the ages known as the incarnation. See, to not accept that the unexpected virgin birth is true is really to limit God or to have a faith in God that's just far too small. I mean, for all the things that we expect God to come through for, for us, for all of those moments that we're kind of praying to God and anticipating that God will get involved, for all of the stories that we tell throughout history where we recognize that that's a God thing and God did that and God's been up to those things, believing that God could help a virgin become pregnant is really not all that far-fetched. But when Mary was told that the Savior that the one that her people had been waiting for for 700 years was going to come and be her child and be raised in her home, what she was being told about was not a plan that was already underway. What she was told, what Gabriel gave her the information concerning was God's plan. But it hadn't happened yet. It seems that God was actually still looking for her willingness to be involved in the story. Now, it's a lot for a young girl to take in all the information that Gabriel gave, and certainly a significant decision for her to make on the spot. And yet, she did. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. She willingly stepped into the unexpected journey, even though that journey was largely illogical even to her. And given that no one had heard from an angel in 400 years, given that there were people who had talked about a savior and talked about a redeemer, even talked about a king, but not coming in the form of a baby to a teenager, not to mention the fact that to that point no one had even wrestled with the idea of a virgin birth, 
the journey was logically unexpected. Now that was Mary's introduction to the journey, but Joseph's was a little bit different. Joseph's story and journey is told to us over in Matthew chapter one. And if you want to flip over there, you sure can as well. Matthew starts his telling of Jesus' story by giving us the genealogy of Jesus and tells us all of these people tracing through King David all the way until you get to Joseph and then eventually Jesus. And that gets us all the way to verse 18 of Matthew chapter one. And then Matthew continues the story. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, again, pause in the story. The the timeline gets confusing and um, complicated for us in our culture. He was pledged to be married to Mary. She turns up pregnant, and so he doesn't want to embarrass her publicly, and so he's going to very quietly divorce her. That's confusing to us because we're not even sure why divorce comes into the story there. Because at least our understanding of things is maybe they were dating, okay? This is a, this isn't in the Bible, but certainly a phrase from today, dating ain't married, okay? And even if they were engaged, I know it's difficult and I know it has emotion attached to it, but engaged ain't married either. So why are we talking about divorce in the middle of things? Well, it's confusing to us because we don't understand the relationship status updates that were available in the ancient world on Facebook. That's a joke. They didn't have Facebook then? Anybody were here? Okay. So... um, Here's the status options that were available in the ancient world. First, there was engagement. Now, engagement was actually about families coming together. Engagement was just that moment where two families agreed that it was okay for these two people to get married. In fact, if you go back to Fiddler on the Roof and the matchmaker, matchmaker, that whole scene and that whole storyline of this little lady who's going around trying to kind of work out deals with families, it's because that's the whole deal is about families who agree that it's okay for these two to get married, and we want these two to get married. It's a contract that's brought together between two families that two people can get married. That's the engagement, and it's really just a moment. And on the other side of the engagement is stage two of the relationship that's called a betrothal, or in some cases, the pledge. Now, the betrothal lasts for one full year, And even though during the one full year of betrothal, there's um, not a time where the couple are living together and not even a time where the couple are coming together physically in any way, they are bound to one another just as much as we think of marriage today. And so by law, the only way to stop the relationship train when you get into the betrothal stage is through divorce, okay? Just so we know how... Uh, clear this is. If in that one year that they're not even together, but they are just betrothed to one another, the man were to die, 
then as far as the law is concerned, the girl that was also part of that relationship is now a virgin widow. That's how binding this one year really is. And so the law requires that the only way to stop this relationship is through divorce. Joseph is a man who follows the law. The two of them are in this stage two portion of their relationship. And so because of that, Joseph wanted to uphold the law, but he also cared deeply for Mary. And he wanted to make sure that he didn't bring extra shame to her. And so he was going to divorce her, what the law requires, quietly. That was his plan. And given the circumstances, he thought it was a pretty good plan. Back to verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph thought that he had a really good plan. And given the circumstances that, that he and Mary had found themselves in, this made sense. But God had a plan that was a little more unexpected for these two relationally. And that relational unexpected journey was not gonna stop with this moment. And for years to come, their journey would definitely be relationally unexpected. And first there was just getting through the, the looks and the whispers during Mary's pregnancy. There was getting through the, the night when they got to Bethlehem and couldn't find a place to be. And then just get this, here's a couple who have not lived together, have not been together, maybe haven't even dated together, and their first activity together is a birth. That's fun. Then they had their first rental house together. They had their first extended time away together when they headed off to Egypt for a while because Joseph was told to protect his family and get them away from Herod. We're even told that a little later on when Jesus is 12 years old, they went to Jerusalem together and they lost the Son of God for a couple of days. Their marriage has not always been up and to the right. It's had hills and valleys and in, in, in reality, it's had a lot more valleys than hills. And maybe your relationship has been like that too. Can I tell you something and urge you with something that we learn from Mary and Joseph. Don't give up when your plans don't come together. Don't give up when your plans turn unexpected. Yes, the adage is, is that we plan and God laughs but God also intervenes. And he knows all about unexpected relationship hiccups. He's been experiencing those and involved in those since the creation of the world. 
So there's nothing that God is watching happen in your relationship that is beyond his power. And if you will be patient, even when things are unexpected, you might just find your way to God's plan. Verse 22 of Matthew chapter one. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. From where they were sitting in history, Mary and Joseph couldn't see it. But their journey was not just logically unexpected and was not just relationally unexpected, but it was historically unexpected. Now, it wasn't that mankind hadn't been expecting a savior, hadn't been talking about a redeemer or a king, but just not one like this. The fullness of time that's talked about in Matthew chapter 1 included references to a coming Messiah and victor that dated all the way back to Genesis chapter three. A savior had been part of the promise that was given to Abraham in Genesis 22. Moses had predicted the coming ultimate teacher all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 18. David talked about the Messiah repeatedly in his Psalms. And prophets like Isaiah and Micah and others had all pointed towards a savior, towards a redeemer, towards a king, but no one expected it like this. For Mary and Joseph, everything that brought them to the manger, everything that brought them to Bethlehem was not part of their plan. But it was part of his All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had been saying for centuries. He'd been talking about a rescue. He'd been talking about all that he would do and all that he would bring. A journey that would bring God to earth. A journey that would bring us to him. And a journey that would save all mankind. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your plans. We thank you that when our plans cause us to go off the rails emotionally, when we struggle and things don't work out the way that we want them to work out, You are still with us, and you intercede and you intervene. And if we are patient enough, you even lead us right to your plan. We thank you for the people, the Christmas story, who were truly searching and seeking you all along the way, even when what 
they expected turn out to be unexpected. And God, we thank you for a Savior, a Redeemer, and a King that came unexpectedly in the form of a baby that would save mankind from our sins. And we thank you that that story and that redemption and that salvation is still available for us today. It's in the name of our Savior, in the name of our King, in the name of our Rescuer, the sacrifice, Jesus, that we pray and say thank you. Amen. I'm going to ask that you would stand with me this morning. And maybe you're here today, and today needs to be the day that you say yes to God's plan. You say yes to God's Redeemer, God's Savior, God's sacrifice that was done as much for you as for anyone else in history. Maybe today needs to be the day that you say yes to Jesus, and you're baptized as well. We've already had one that's taken place today. We have others that are happening after this service. If you have a decision to make this morning, we invite you to say yes to Jesus today. Or maybe you want to be a part of this church here at First Christian. We'd love to have you with us. And you can make that decision today and just walk down these aisles. I'll meet you here. But we have an opportunity to worship, to celebrate, to lift up our voice and thank our God, not for him making our plan become real, but for making his plan come to save us.